Hi, and welcome to Strangers on the Internet, a podcast about making online dating work for you. My name is Irene Manta, and I'm a professor at the Maurice A. Dean School of Law at Hofstra University in New York. I also consult for the dating app industry and coach online daters, so I've seen some of the inner workings of the beast. And I'm Michelle Lang, a senior lecturer in psychology at Christopher Newport University in Virginia and a clinical psychologist in private practice. All views expressed in this podcast are our own and not our employers. Over the last five years, I've used dating apps, met my second husband on them, and embarked on a mission to understand the legal and social problems attached to the apps. This journey took me much farther than I expected. I have spoken to lots of daters about the things that have happened to them. In addition to writing about it in law reviews, op-eds, blog posts, and a forthcoming book, I want to share what I learned here in this podcast. And I'm just here for the ride. No, but as an introverted person, I almost exclusively dated through dating apps and met my boyfriend through one. I've mostly had great experiences on the apps myself, but I've had a few memorable for the wrong reason experiences in there too. In my work as a therapist as well, I've worked a lot with people looking for love and finding that and more, including lessons learned on the apps. Strangers on the internet will pull from our knowledge base. It will show you how to date and whom not to date. It will give you insights from our research about all aspects of dating so that you can have the best possible experience. Of course, in addition to our insights, we will also bring you cool guests who will share their expertise and stories about the fascinating world of online dating. So please make sure to hit subscribe on the Strangers on the Internet podcast if this sounds like your jam. I will start by telling you a bit about me and my history with online dating. One of my best friends once said to me that I was online dating before online dating existed. My first big love was a fellow 16-year-old back in 1996 who was living halfway across the world. My first kiss was with someone I met online. I dated a few people who remain my friends more than 20 years later. After some years off from online encounters while I was in college and part of law school, I signed up for online dating websites during my third year of law school at age 25. While I met a few bad apples, my experiences during the year that followed were largely uneventful. The biggest problem was that most of the men I met there were the wrong matches or just plain boring. Shortly after graduating from law school, I met my first husband offline in Little Rock, Arkansas. We moved to Chicago a year later and eventually got married there. I started my academic career in Cleveland, Ohio, and we had our daughter there. Six years later, we were living in New York City and eventually got divorced. So here I was in 2016, now almost 36 and not having dated in a decade. And oh boy, had the online dating landscape changed now in the Tinder era. First, there was the lying in profiles, so much lying, about everything from more minor things like height to medium ones like age to big ticket items like marital status. There was no accountability and no recourse. Second, a lot of men were incredibly sexually aggressive and entitled in a way I didn't experience online dating a decade earlier. Physical safety was something I had to think about constantly, and I put all kinds of safeguards in place that I will discuss on this podcast. And for me, I did online dating pre and post marriage as well. And like you, Irina, that first go round was so long ago, we logged into websites on our computers to access match.com and eHarmony.com. My ex-husband was basically the only guy I did not meet through online dating. And you see how well that turned out. But seriously, my main interests in life are introverted things like, where am I going to meet another reader? Checking out books at the library. So by the time I got divorced, apps were the thing and back on them I got. 
I've had a decent amount of dates and also a few successful, lovely, long-term relationships with people I've met from the apps. It's by and large been a very positive experience for me. But it's not just the apps or the people on the other side of them is what made it a positive experience. It was also where I was at in my headspace and what I was looking for. That's right. And that's where we want to start at the beginning, at the contemplation stage. Before you start swiping, you should ask yourself if you're ready for online dating. For many people, the dating apps will be a source of both fun and significant stress. Going on the apps when already exhausted by other life events carries risks to one's mental health and emotional well-being. It's a useful exercise to sit down and jot down a few words about what one is hoping to get out of the apps. Is it casual sex, an activity partner, a long-term relationship? Write down your aspirations and worries. Talk to people who have experience with online dating to get their perspectives. Anything can happen with online dating. If you're hoping for a serious relationship, here's a happy anecdote for you. I know two middle-aged women who, after divorce, tried online dating and ended up in long-term relationships literally with the first man they met. One of these women is now happily married. Meeting someone amazing immediately is rare, but it is possible. That happened to me. First online date resulted in a fantastic three-year relationship. That said, most people have to kiss a lot of frogs before ending up with the right person, as they say. Here's a rule of thumb. Don't wade into online dating if you think that being dumped by someone you really like would completely devastate you at this point in your life. Take your time, cultivate friendships and hobbies instead, and spend time in therapy if you're processing a painful divorce or major past breakup. Yes. Sure, it can seem like a great way to distract yourself, and maybe it is. Irina and I may differ a little on our thoughts on that point, but you need to be honest with yourself. We mentioned the contemplation stage earlier. That's from a model of understanding decision-making called the stages of change. Do you know what the first stage in that model is? It's called pre-contemplation, and it's basically just a euphemism for denial. If you don't want to end up regretting your decision, you need to be able to do an honest assessment of whether you're ready for all that dating might entail. That's absolutely right. You have to think about the practicalities, for example. Are you able to fit dating into your life? Maybe you have kids or work obligations that didn't used to be there the last time you were on the dating market. This can be made to work, and I myself did, but it's something to consider and plan out. There's also financial cost to dating, as especially drinks out tend to add up, so that needs to be budgeted accordingly. To give you a sense, according to a study by Match.com, the average date in the United States costs about $100. So that's $50 for your share, assuming you split it with your date. And that could be a lot higher, depending on where in the country you live or whether you need to hire a babysitter. One of the most important things to figure out, however, is what your dating support system is going to be, given that you're almost definitely going to need one. Do you have close friends with whom you will be able to blow off steam when someone ghosts you or is rude to you or treats you badly? What will you do between dates to decompress and relax? Or when you get hit with the all too familiar, I thought I was ready for this, but I wasn't from the person you've been talking to or seeing. If we make it sound like dating is like a second job if done regularly, it's because in some sense it is. It is an investment of time, money and effort that may take a while to pay off depending on your needs and goals. Some people start dating and it all gets to be too much at some point, especially if things aren't working out the way you want and they need to take a break. That's okay. It doesn't mean you failed or aren't good at dating. For many people, that kind of time to recharge can be essential to clear their heads. For those of you new to online dating or who want to take stock, here's our homework for you. Sit down and write up your expectations of the process going forward. 
what kind of relationship or interactions do you want to build with what types of people? Start off by just letting the writing flow in an unstructured manner. You can always go back later and make more formal lists. For now, simply make explicit what's already in your mind and heart. This kind of introspection is vital for making the dating process work for you and also for trying to minimize how much you hurt other people along the way. And remember, no one else is looking at your list, so there's no one to impress, no need to say the socially acceptable thing. Be honest with yourself about what you're looking for, and of that, what are you looking to fulfill via dating specifically? Remember, all your personal fulfillment needs don't need to be met in this arena. Dating is just a part of your life, finding someone you're compatible with who you enjoy spending time with. You should also write about your fears. Do you feel like you're not good enough in some way? not hot, wealthy, funny, or smart enough? Do you feel like it's been so long since you've been on a date that you have no idea what you're doing? Are you afraid of being played or getting your feelings hurt some other way? It's okay to be scared, and we will work through some of these issues in later episodes of this podcast. Let's go over what are some good and some bad reasons for online dating. First, the potentially good or at least okay ones. You are truly ready for a long-term relationship and you would rather not date anyone from work or from your friend circle. Totally reasonable. Second, you think that going on casual dates would be fun and you're ready to deal with rejection and take the necessary safety measures. All right then. Third, you are curious about dating apps. You want to chat with some people on there and then you will decide what to do next. That's fine. Yep, those are all valid reasons to check out the dating apps. Now let's move on to some not so great reasons. First, you don't really have any friends and you think this would be a good way to make new ones. I'm not talking about social media generally or the friends function on some apps, but rather specifically using the dating category for that purpose. While friendships could result, most other people did not come here to make friends. Second, you're depressed or anxious and you believe that meeting people via the apps would make you feel better. This isn't to say people with depression or anxiety should never use dating apps, just that they, like everyone, need to understand that dating apps will be another source of not just possible fun, but also plenty of stress. Third, everyone else is using dating apps and you feel left out. While that can be a starting point to think about whether it's worth it for you, it's not reason enough by itself to get on the apps. To sum up what we covered so far. Be clear on your reasons for dating. There is no rush, and you should take your time to figure out what you're in it for. Writing these things down is a great way to understand your own thinking process and figure out what areas might need work. Dating will take time, money, and effort. You need to be at a place in your life where you're comfortable with what that might look like. Dating apps can be fun, but they can also be stressful. Make sure you have a good support network in place and take care of your emotional health while you use them. Michelle, how did you know you were ready to jump into online dating? Okay, well, both times I jumped into online dating, it was as a reset following a breakup. At each of those times, I wasn't looking for a new relationship yet, even though I am a relationship-minded person in general. At that point, I just wanted to have someone to share some fun times with and physical closeness with. There's just a lot I love about dating. I'm someone who prefers connecting with others one-on-one -on -one over good food or a drink, which I'd also be up for doing with friends, but I have a good group of friends. I didn't necessarily need to add anything in that department. 
I missed aspects of dating, like the physical closeness that at least I don't have with my friends. Plus, my closest friends are spread far and wide, so I'd probably rather talk to them on the phone than invest in a friendship relationship with someone new. My friends have lives where they live, too, and I still wanted someone to actually hang out with in person sometimes. And in the beginning, dating is so low commitment. You're just committing to a single event together. If you don't like it, no harm, no foul, goodbye, and have a nice life. Best wishes. It was just a good match for when I was looking for something more casual, but then I could swipe on a different kind of person when the time came that I decided I might be interested in pursuing a relationship. What about you? How did you make the decision to give the apps a try? You know, I I really felt ready to have a new romantic relationship, a long-term relationship after my, my first marriage ended. And I think some people are, you know, really bitter after their divorce or they're like upset. Like some women in heterosexual situations might feel like I don't want anything to do with men. Like all men are awful. And I really didn't feel that way. I mean, I felt like just because my marriage didn't work out doesn't necessarily mean that a different relationship might not work out. And so I wanted to check out what's, what's out there now that I was in my, um, mid thirties, was there anything that surprised you, Michelle, when you were getting on the apps? Again, you said you used, uh, used online dating. And I remember those days that you mentioned where we had to log into the computer and same stuff, the match, the harmony. Was there anything that surprised you coming back to coming back to that world in terms of what you thought it changed or who you were meeting or anything like that? I, I remember a big difference was just the different styles or personalities associated with the different apps. And that that had also changed since the first time I had been on the apps in the aughts. And I remember it also wasn't the same everywhere because I had friends across the country who were also dating using the apps. And they, so for example, for me, where I lived, I found that match.com or just match at that point that it was the app, was really more for hookups, more casual dating, not for more relationship-minded people. And eHarmony was one more for relationship-minded people. Tinder was more of a mixed bag. You could definitely find some of each on there. But then some of my friends who lived in other areas said that that wasn't the case, that the only place that you could look for a serious match would be on match or things like that. So I, it was surprising that it varied by region. Also, when I got back on it in the 20 teens, there were more options, of course, than there had been like back when I first started the first go round, it basically was um, match.com, eHarmony.com. There was plenty of fish, but I never used that. And in my sense of the free ones were you were going to deal with more half-hearted people there. And the ones where you had to pay, you would find more serious-minded people and kind of have to deal with less of the wishy-washiness. And that that changed some between my first go-round with online dating and my second go-round. So I guess that was a little surprising that there seemed to be more flakiness the second time I had tried. What about you? Any surprises? Yeah. And, and, you know, this is the perfect teaser for our next episode where we're going to advise people on how to pick their dating app. And we're going to talk about some of these uh, issues you brought up, like geography and, and some of these differences. And also some of these things have changed over time. One thing I would throw in there is that every once in a while, even if you think you pick the more serious app, you know, it might be like Hinge or something, there are going to be some predatory types who intentionally sign up for apps like that because they think, I mean, 
Oftentimes it's going to be heterosexual men seeking heterosexual women who think that some of these women might be more desperate and because they really want a relationship. And so they actually use it as a hookup hunting ground because they think that that's going to inure to their benefit. But, you know, I'm going to leave more of that for next time. I will say that I think the sort of personalities of people were a different mix in the mid aughts when I uh, first got on dating websites. It was, it was perhaps a bit of a nerdier thing to do to get on these websites. It was uh, less common. And uh, so you had more different kinds of people, perhaps in a sense, or you have more different kinds of people today just because everyone is on apps now. At the same time, what also has happened, uh, and I think many of our friends have experienced this is that some of the men that were more relationship minded kind of paired off earlier on, like in their twenties or early thirties. And so now you are dealing with a lot of people that openly just wanted hookups or really at the end of the day, even if they pretended like they wanted something more long-term, that's what they were after. So it's, I think you and I both had to come up uh, from what you've told me in the past that to come up with mechanisms to kind of weed out some of the people that have uh, the wrong intentions or as, as they would say in reality shows are here for the wrong reasons. And, uh, and we'll, we'll talk more about that in future episodes. Also how to find people specifically and what to look for and how to filter. Um, so we're going to have longer conversations about that later in the show, but that was really the the difficulty, I think, was was that initial honeymoon phase. At first, it's like, wow, there are all these people on here. They're all so interesting. And you start going out with them. And it all seems very exciting. And I, I had at least one or two friends tell me like, oh, you just wait, right? Because they knew because they had gone through the same thing. And they had been very excited at first. And, uh, and then kind of the reality sinks in that, oh, wait a second, like how people present themselves at first might be very different from the way that they really are. And then you start learning about, there, there's, I, I feel like there's a lot more ghosting, for example, today than there was back in the days, uh, in part because there, there are more people on the app. So there are a lot of people feel like, well, I can just move on to the next person. Uh, so there is that flakiness. It's exactly that flakiness that you were talking about. And it's, it's sort of flakiness is one of my pet peeves generally. I really, really value people who are reliable. And, and I appreciate it even if somebody decides they don't want to date you, that they actually tell you like, hey, this isn't working for me. And so that was... That was hard, especially as you sort of go through that over and over and over again, that flakiness. And I can tell you, um, I know we'll talk more about this later, here in New York City, you could easily set up, I don't know, like five dates for a week. And in the end, only one or two of them would actually happen because that's kind of how unreliable things were and are. Oh my gosh, the flakiness. So we will definitely have issues devoted to how to communicate effectively if you're not interested in seeing anyone. As you mentioned earlier, Irina, to minimize the harm to other people as we're all just figuring out this complicated process of trying to find love. And also, we'll definitely talk about how to set boundaries revolving around respect for yourself, where the good news with there being so many people on the apps these days is if it doesn't work out with one person, just like with the whole idea of plenty of fish in the sea, throw it back, try for another. And so you do not have to tolerate bad behavior from prospective dates. The ghosting, we're going to try to talk to you about how not to do it yourself and how to be fine with closing the door on somebody if they do it to you. 
Yeah, and we need to sort out together, like kind of the sweet spot, because, you know, what I have also seen happen, perhaps especially to women, is that they become jaded and they feel like they've been treated so badly that, you know, some of them end up developing kind of knee-jerk responses as soon as something does go wrong. So I'm sure we'll talk more about how to figure out, all right, did someone just make a, a simple mistake and they're trying to fix it and maybe you should forgive it versus, no, this is another person messing with me. Irina, how did you know that you were ready to start dating again? For me, I knew that I no longer felt romantically attached to my ex-husband. And I think that's something people really have to ask themselves about their previous marriage or their previous relationship. Are they really willing to open their heart? And that could mean open to a relationship, open to a fling, uh, but that they're not kind of coming at it with too much uh, emotional baggage that is just completely unresolved. Not that there is ever a clear point where it's like, okay, now all the baggage is gone, but where they have a, a good sense of who they are and that they're really ready for a new experience. And, and that's what I wanted. I was ready for a falling in love again, and I was ready for new experiences and essentially to, to try again. How about you? And see, I think that just really goes to show how it's going to be so important for people to be honest with themselves about, honestly, where am I at? Because we took very different approaches to this. I, fresh off breakups, were right back on the apps, but it was because I really kind of wanted to just do something fun and lighthearted coming off of this serious relationship. I wasn't looking for my next serious relationship. Whereas with you, you waited until you didn't have those emotional connections to your ex anymore when those feelings were gone to say, okay, I truly am freed up for what I want, which in your case was, I'm ready to fall in love again. I'm ready for my next relationship. And so you can see we can't give one template set of advice to people because the advice may vary, the mileage may vary based upon where you're at and what your goals are. So that's why it really does come back to being honest with yourself. And also, it's okay to take a step back if you start dating and you realize you were not as ready as you thought you were and you are maybe more um, fragile. And there, there is no set amount of time. I don't think there are all, all of these rules of thumb. You may have heard, oh, you got to take off at least six months, at least a year, at least one month per year of relationship or like, everybody's different and every relationship is different. Some people really have processed a lot of the breakup before the breakup even happens. They had actually been done with that relationship emotionally months earlier, sometimes years earlier uh, until the actual breakup came. So I, I think those artificial rules are not necessarily uh, helpful. And I, I also, you know, I like, um, I like what you were saying earlier about how you're not going to get all of your needs met by this one person. And, and that's something that I think got especially tricky during the pandemic uh, or, or during the, the heaviest parts of the pandemic, I should say, given that it's still going on, but where people really had to choose, do I live with this person? And then I get to see the person or I don't live with them and I might not be able to see them like in some countries or states, that was the law. And so there were all these big decisions. And, and because people were bubbling up, they really had to make decisions about 
monogamy earlier than they might have otherwise about, okay, th this is who I get to socialize with. It's this person or nobody. Uh, and I think we're all collectively still processing that. And depending on how careful people are being now about COVID, that's something that is very much still going on. It is so complicated dating. And I, and I know we're going to talk about all this more later, how to navigate all this. But no, again, there are no hard and fast rules. There is no mandatory waiting period. Uh, I also would not tolerate friends or acquaintances trying to impose these kinds of restrictions. And and I will say here also, there, there's a bit of element, an element of misogyny that we see sometimes, uh, especially against women. If they date again too quickly, there's a, a perhaps a judgment of, oh, you're just, you know, jumping around from relationship to relationship. And, you know, does that mean you were ever really true to this last man or just all of that kind of nonsense? Um, so I, I do think that we see a lot more judgment against women than we do against men in, in that area. Have, have you found that also? Yes, I would say so. And I'm just thinking, wow, we have so many topics for potential discussions on this podcast. So we have dating during COVID. And I think what's going to be a boom of really an explosion of dating on the apps now that COVID is in the phase that it's in, where it feels more safe to a lot of people to be back out. What you had mentioned about people staying in relationships during COVID that maybe weren't ideal because that's at least somebody they know and it didn't feel safe to people to go out and meet. So I'm sure we'll do an episode on that, an episode on the misogyny aspects that can come into play with when you decide to date. And then also, as you said, about basically maybe an episode on how to tune out your friends sometimes. Only listen to us, not your friends. Just kidding. Don't only listen to us. But, um, but, you know, we're not telling you what to do. We're giving you some things to think about. A lot of the times your friends aren't, gosh, the stuff you were talking about really had shades of, oh, you have to wait three days after they contact you to contact them back or X amount of time after a kiss, or how many dates until you sleep with somebody. Oh my gosh, it's what works for you. And so we will definitely have opportunities to talk about that. Yeah, I think that's right. I also think uh, people have to be careful in taking advice from individuals who have never been on dating apps themselves. A lot of the advice no longer applies, no longer applies in the same way, even if it was great advice 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, it, it doesn't work like that anymore. I also think we'll be talking a lot about victim blaming when something bad does, and again, oftentimes uh, against women or sexual minorities, when something bad does happen on the dating apps, that it must be because the, the person was not careful enough or they didn't do that right, they didn't dress the right way, they didn't wait long enough until they met the person at all or in private. Or, and while there are things you can do and that we will discuss as, as far as safety is concerned and that you do need to think about, at the end of the day, some of this is luck and sometimes it's bad luck. And there are some wonderful people on the apps and there are also some really horrible people on the apps. Uh, and we'll talk a bit also about kind of how the, the structures are set up, why dating app operators don't necessarily have the incentive to weed out everybody that they should, especially in the in the beginning stages uh, of, of, of these apps existing. And... Um, uh, and how the, the dating apps sometimes want to maximize the number of encounters rather than necessarily 
help people get long-term relationships, even if that's what some of them want. So a lot to talk about for sure. As you guys can see, there's a lot to talk about here, and we really look forward to getting into all of those topics with you all. Yes, and next time we will cover the topics of how to choose the right dating app for you and what to consider as you start building your profile. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it five stars so that others have a chance to listen to it as well, and make sure to subscribe so that you can get our future episodes. You can become a part of our community by joining the Strangers on the Internet Facebook group or following us at Swipe Strangers on Twitter or on Instagram. I would like to thank my husband and sound engineer Carlos Frini, as well as Vlad Puyujuklu for permission to use his music for this podcast. Bye, everyone. Bye.